Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent center. Eight minutes left in the second period. Carolina 2, New Jersey nothing. Blue Jays have beaten the Pirates 4-zip. The Oilers play tomorrow. 3 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game is at 5. Game 2 against the Golden Knights. Vegas leads the series 1-0. That's the only game in the NHL tomorrow. Three games on Sunday. Triple header. A header. Hurricanes at Devils, 1.30 Mountain. Maple Leafs at Panthers, 4.30. Stars at Tentacles, 7.30. So that's what's coming up here over the next couple of days. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. I am uh, happy to welcome back to the show the Executive Director of Football Alberta. It is Tim Enger on the line. Tim, how have you been, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I do need those devils to score a few goals if I'm ever going to keep up my family hockey pool, but uh, <laughs> you can't have everything. Okay, now, see, you knew... You, I hope you weren't thinking, oh, Reed won't follow up on that. You know I'm going to follow up on that. Uh, how how extended a family is in... The, is this just... Uh, to it, and, uh, and then we've, they, they, have, uh, they have significant others, so we're up to 12, and... Um, my sister's involved from Canmore and all this stuff, and, and I got dry sidle, so I'm doing quite well. So. But you got you wound up with a few New Jersey guys, eh? Well, you got to pick somebody in the last couple picks. So, <laughs> oh jeez, well they're pretty good. Lindy Ruff's up for coach of the year. <laughs> so. They're not bad. They're not bad. Now, but, I, you know, you, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just said, you know, you know what it's like when you get those 10th and 11 picks and you know you could you could wind up with some absolute gold, or you're just picking devils. Well, I will tell you this, as much as I was uh, trying to gloat a little bit for actually picking the Panthers to beat the Bruins on Stoff show at the start of the playoffs, I only went three for eight in the first round, and I did pick New Jersey to get swept by the Rangers, which looked probable after the Rangers won the first two games on the road, then New Jersey went for the next five. Well, I wish you all the best, Tim. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, uh, but we are here to talk about football, Alberta, because it, it's 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 a fun time of year. Lot going on, lot getting rolling. Uh, just give me kind of a, a state of the union for amateur football in the province right now. Well, we're actually doing pretty good. You know, we we uh, like everybody else during COVID, uh, the COVID break. I mean, we suffer just like every other sport, but uh, it's been really encouraging to see uh, the fact we, we we never lost any teams. Uh, both at the high school level and at the uh, the, the minor tackle level, uh, we've got uh, we got the women's game growing now, which is which is awesome. I mean, we've got women's tackle uh, to the point where we put a team in the, the first ever national championship for our U18 teams last year, and, and wound up winning gold, which was great. And then uh, Calgary started uh, their women's uh, uh, the program for U18s this year. Uh, so you know, it's it's it, 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 the most encouraging thing is we because it's you know it's so easy for people to walk away from things, especially during the COVID break. But uh, we didn't lose any teams, and uh, so as a result, we're kind of back to normal. I would say this year. I mean, we've put over a thousand kids through our tryouts for uh, our uh, provincial teams at, uh, with, both, with both genders now, and uh, that's that's a lot of kids. <laughs> it's, uh, we we counted up the other day. Like when I first started at Football Alberta, we were just running the Senior Bowl, so that was just two teams that we put together. Uh, we'll be putting together 17 teams this year, and uh, to go to various different oh, wow. uh, types of uh, levels. We got we got the non-contact stuff going with the with the flags, so. So it's 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 we're really busy, but that's a good problem to have. 
Okay, and the, the the CFL draft was just what Tuesday, three days ago. Do we, do we have some uh, former Team Alberta players? Must have got snapped up, I would assume. Yeah, all, all three Edmonton, um, all three Edmonton players that were picked up in the draft uh, did go through the uh, the Team Alberta program. Um, uh, with uh, you know two of them coming from Harry Ainley, Luol Ugiak, who's uh, you know he played in the national championship game for TCU last year. I mean they didn't do very good, uh, but he was in it, and uh, that's pretty spectacular from a kid from uh, from the south side of uh, of Edmonton. Uh, both him and Jonathan Rosary, former Titans, uh, were were drafted into the into the CFL, and Jake Taylor uh, played at Salisbury, played at the U of A, and he he's the only one who was drafted by the Elks. I mean, we're really crossing our fingers and toes that the Elks would take uh, Lawal with the second pick. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. You talk about the NFL draft, people watch it. And, uh, uh, you know, like I know the general managers there have to do a lot of soul searching and research and this and that, but they don't have to do half of what the CFL general managers have to do because you have to take all sorts of factors into consideration. Which, which players are going to get drafted by the NFL? Which players are going to sign unrestricted free agent things with the NFL? And uh, if a player wants to chase his dream south of the border, how long is it going to be until you could get this kid? And so you know, you're looking for immediate impact players. So, you know, a kid of Lawal's turn uh, uh, abilities probably should have been drafted a lot higher than he was, but because he signed an unrestricted free agent thing with the New York Giants, uh, that makes people a little gun-shy. So it's it's really a, an interesting process to watch the draft as it plays out. And, and, when, and again, we're overjoyed. I mean, the... Um, uh, the kids that, that go through the program, they're also, you know, like we, we get them for a couple of weeks, so we're not the magic touch here. Obviously, the, the effort that's being put in it, in Harry Ainley in particular, is, is turning out some incredible, talented kids, and, uh, and off we go. And, uh, and as a result, these kids are, are the bells of the ball in the draft. Okay, well, that's exciting. Uh, and Ugoak signed with the Giants, right? Yes. Okay. And I, so that was the same. I, I just remember a few years ago, like like Chuba didn't get drafted very high in the CFL draft because he's, he had already been taken in the NFL, right? So, yeah, I see what you're saying there. Um, what is going on with the U18 Canada Cup? Well, uh, the Canada Cup, the Football Canada Cup, has been around since 1995. Um, it's uh, it was you know it's it started with uh, with with a few teams and uh, provincial teams. So this is basically the top grade grade 10s and 11s. Uh, across the country and it's it really was picking up steam going into the covid break and unfortunately we were off for a couple of years but uh we last hosted it in alberta in 2018 we hosted it in calgary uh the citizens of our fair neighbors to the south did a great job and uh we wound up with uh with the silver medal unfortunately uh, but uh, the event after that became a uh, something you could bid on, and because uh, before it was just okay, it's your turn. Now it's your turn in terms of the the, the provinces, and so we said to heck with it. We're going to bid with it. We've we've hosted this thing in Alberta four times, um, and this is the first time we're going to do it where our offices are located. Where it's my hometown. I love my city. I love Edmonton, and I think this is going to be. And I know, and this is what I've told people across the country. Like there is something special about. Um, Edmonton when it comes to hosting events. Yeah. I mean, we love this stuff. I mean, we'll, we'll fill stadiums for uh, the national soccer team, no problem. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll go watch track and field for 10 days like we did in 2001. So um, we've got a, a great thing going in this town. So it'll be between July the 7th and the um, 16th with game days on the 9th, the 12th, and the 15th. Uh, the ones on the 15th, we're going to play at Commonwealth Stadium. 
Um, and again, we're crossing our fingers and toes that uh, Darcy Park and his crack squad of uh, coaches there will be uh, putting us in the in the gold medal game so that uh, we can give uh, our province a chance to shine. Like a good producer, Dave, Com- Dave Campbell is listening to the show, uh, and I know you were too polite to correct me. Ugawak did not sign with the Giants. He is invited to their rookie minicamp. Yes, so there is a difference. Sorry, but, sorry. Was, yeah. well, we like to say sign. He had yeah, to still sign significant, kind of but yes. Go. I but mean. I was not factually <laughs> correct, so that had to be uh, corrected. And uh, I, I know uh, Jim as well was sending me some notes. Uh, and this always sounds exciting because the, these words conjure a lot of great uh, feelings in the world of hockey so i want to see what you can tell me about the world of football the world junior championships in football yeah that's kind of you know that, that's kind of been something that again that's been growing for the past uh, two decades uh when you talk about international sports uh tackle football doesn't exactly come to mind but uh, uh there's a, an organization called ifaf the international federation of american football uh, that started in the early 90s and uh, whose main purpose is to do things just like every other sport where you can play international competitions against other uh, other countries. And believe it or not, there are 70 nations that are members of IFAF, 70 nations that play some semblance of, uh, of either tackle or, or flag football. And um, they've been running junior championships since the mid-90s. Canada has actually done quite well. In fact, they're the defending gold medalist, having won in 2018 when it was held in uh, Mexico City. Um, so then they were going to go to, uh, they were going to have an event in Orlando in 2020. But of course, we all know what happened in 2020. So that got scrubbed. And then they went to a bid process for going every four years. Well, uh, it was supposed to be Canada's turn. And I remember being at the, uh, at the AGM for Football Canada and going, you have to hold this in Edmonton. You have to. Like, if you're going to run an international event, this city has produced for our country some of the finest international competitions that have ever been held. I mean, I'm a child of the city. I remember uh, my parents and, and others standing tall in 1978 volunteering for the Commonwealth Games, the World University had in, in, in 83. we got a long track record of doing this. So if you're going to do it, we got to do it in Edmonton. So we bid on it. We got it. And so from June 20th to 30th of 2024, we're going to have eight nations coming here um, competing in a very similar manner to what the Football Canada Cup is. You've got your quarterfinals, your semifinals, and your finals. Uh, Currently right now we've got confirmed Canada, the United States, and Mexico uh, from the North American side of things. Uh, Asia will be represented by Japan, Oceania by Australia. The South American representative will be determined this summer in a game between Chile and Brazil. And then the Europeans, I don't quite know what the, what the magic is there, but they will have two nations that will be coming over, and that will be determined this summer through uh, their U18 process. So uh, I guess the favorites there are Austria and Sweden, but we'll see. Okay. Wow, that is a lot going on. Well, we we got to keep in touch, Tim. Uh, it's it's so exciting, and, and like I said, you guys worked through COVID. I love how you said you didn't lose any teams, so that's really significant. Tim, uh, thanks so much. Keep in touch, and good luck with uh, your hockey pool. It's now 3 nothing Carolina, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. My sister's swimming in Panthers, so that's the main problem. But thank you very much for having me on. Right on. That is Tim. Love talking to him. He's the executive director of Football Alberta. A lot going on, like he said, including the uh, the World Junior Football Championships in Edmonton. That's not till next July, but maybe something to uh, keep in the back of your mind as we move through the calendar months here. Okay, 780-496-0063. 
We'll uh, wrap up the week with a little uh, more from you. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Well, Carolina pouring it on here in the second period. Time expiring. They're up 4-0. They just scored with uh, 16 seconds left in the period. So 4-0 Carolina leading the Devils now after two. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, hope you got a great weekend ahead of you. Big Oilers game tomorrow. We were talking about the Kentucky Derby. Shania tonight. Shania tomorrow. What's your favorite Shania song, Kellen? Uh, <laughs> probably Up. I like Up. Uh, I got to go with Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Oh, there that you is go. truly yeah. a classic. To me, that's had the most staying power of any of her songs. Mm-hmm. Bit of a saucy video as well. Yes, uh, that's the uh, leopard print Shania, right? Uh, no, that is, uh, that don't impress me much. Ah, oh, there we go. Man, yeah. I feel like a woman. People are like, wow, Reed knows a lot about Shania. I really don't. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Man, I feel like the woman is the uh, Robert Palmer, simply irresistible, addicted uh, to love yeah, okay. knockoff, where yep. she does a, a little bit of a strip tease, quite frankly. <laughs> and the uh, gentlemen <laughs> behind her are uh, all, uh, uh, I, I suppose, would be uh, considered a rather attractive gentlemen in yep. tight-fitting clothing. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, if somebody just turned on the radio, uh, that split second, they are like, what is going on with 6.30, Chet? Just creeped out, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, 780-496-0063. What, do we still have stuff coming in? We still have stuff coming in here. Uh, we'll start with an unknown text that's come in, and they say, people who followed the Knights actually said the last game was probably their best game they've ever seen and played this year, and yet maybe really only beat the Oilers by one goal. Uh, I think the Oilers will be all right. That is from an unknown text. Well, and again, that's a fair comment. I mean, that's the back and forth. I, now, I didn't think the Oilers played nearly close enough to their potential. I stand by what I said going into the playoffs. If the Oilers play at or near their potential, they're going to be pretty hard to beat four times in seven games, straight up, right? So, I mean, the Knights have to go out and do that again. And by the way, they still let Leon Dreisaitl score four goals on them. So, you know, it's not like they they were perfect. Mike texts in and says, Reed, what are the chances of Marcus Niemelainen getting into the lineup tomorrow night? Uh, I would still say probably pretty slim, though it's interesting he did practice with the main group today. Okay, we got Darren texting in too. Says, hi, not sure why Yamo gets back in the top six after one half decent game. I liked him further down the wing with Costin. Also, everyone has to go back to full commitment to team defense. We also need a few more saves. That is from Darren. Well, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, look, I know that all the discussion around Yamamoto, we've talked about him a lot. So we will. Uh We will we will leave that there because I think we've talked about that a lot and him scoring that goal. Um, and what was the other part? Well, yeah, the commitment to team defense. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I mean, I use the word concentration a lot. I mean, to me, defense is effort and concentration, awareness, uh, knowing you know knowing where where you're supposed to be, where the def- I mean, as great a game as Dreisaitl was, he didn't kind of complete his back check on that one goal. I mean, yes, could a nurse stayed in the middle of the ice more? Yeah, but maybe he thinks Leon's got that guy coming down the middle. The thing with the Oilers, and we all know it, I hope we all know it, they can do better because they have done better. 
Okay. Uh, and I, I have a, a few texts about this too, but I'll just uh, highlight Phil from Stetler's text about this. And this is probably for people who have tuned in late and, and missed uh, you know the, the first half of the show. Hi, Reed. Could you confirm the details of Leon getting hit in the face by a puck today? Well, play Woody's clip. Okay. If I can dig that this up is, here. Uh, Woodcroft asked about it after practice. Okay, another emergency alert, man. That's uh, that's scary. Hopefully everybody's okay. Yeah, a lot going on out there. Uh, 780-496-0063. So somebody asked about dry settle. Yeah, he took a puck to the face or something, and here's what Woodcroft said uh, after. I would say uh, that uh, it's a little bit of playoff makeup, but I think he probably had one or two sutures, so he'll be just fine. Okay, so nothing... Nothing major there to uh, worry about. I expect dry settle would be uh, would be fine tomorrow. Yeah, it, it, the Nima Linen thing. I, I doubt he's going to come in and play, um, but you know maybe they're saying to to Deharnay or they're just saying, hey, you know we need we need somebody else feeling ready and practicing with the main group. I think Nima Linen would be challenged by Vegas's speed as Deharnay was in Game One. Um, you know we know that Nima Linen can hit. I think Deharnay. If you look at how they've played as NHLers, I think DeHarnay played better than, than Nima Linen, but probably Nima Linen, a useful guy for the Oilers down the road. Uh, anything to wrap up with, Kellen, or do we got to go? Yeah, uh, just quickly here we have uh, Brian texting in, and he just wanted to ask you about your favorite Peter Klima memory. Uh, of course, we lost Peter earlier this Well, week. the goal. I mean, that goal. The, I mean, fire that goal. We still got that in the folder, too. And it's out over the line. McTavish and Curry. Klima catching up. He's in. Yeah, I remember watching that game, and that's, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe that texture was looking for, for some other memory, but to me, that has to be it for Peter Klima, one of the most important goals in the history of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, Mark Lamb is scheduled to join me on the Faceoff show tomorrow, and he'll share some memories of Peter Klima, as, of course, Lamb was on that 1990 Oilers team as well. 3 o'clock for the Faceoff show, game at 5 on 6.30, Chad. Game 2, Oilers at Golden Knights. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He is the producer of Inside sports kellen kennedy your studio producer my name's reed thanks so much for listening have a good night